Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Let me start off by saying this. Let me start off by saying this. You're going to see an Ohio State shirt. Don't freak out. My allegiance has not, nor will ever switch from LSU. Never. However, the simple fact remains, I lost a bet to an Ohio State fan. I said that LSU would go above 50% or 500 on the season. So I am a man of my word, as you will see throughout the show tonight. I am wearing an Ohio State shirt as a part of my bet that I lost on a live stream, an LSU live stream, no less. I lost my bet. I completely, I, I lost my bet. Dylan Landry says, Blake, what are you wearing? So I hope that that clears that up. I hope that it clears it up that I have lost a bet to Bucknut29 on Twitter, a.k.a. Mr. Josh Rogers, who will come in the stream. Let me tell you where this, where I started getting nervous. Mississippi State, yeah, maybe a little. But Missouri games started coming around and like, eh. This ain't looking good, though. And then we went, you know, then we played South Carolina. TJ Finley came in, and I thought to myself, oh, man. Oh, man. I ain't going to be wearing no shirt no more. Better yet, my man's going to be wearing an LSU shirt. Heck, yeah. And then the week after, we played Auburn. So, I'm a man of my word. I have to come on an LSU po- or LSU show the AYS LSU show, and I have to wear an Ohio State shirt. Uh, even if LSU wins Saturday, we won't be 500 or just even. Uh, Matthew, above 500. That was the bet. That LSU would go at least 6-4 and four was my bet. That was my bet, and I lost it. I lo- Speak of the devil himself. Mr. Bucknut, Mr. Josh Rogers, you're a good man, Blake. This is the individual that I lost the bet to. I'm ashamed of myself, y'all. I'm ashamed of myself. But what I'm not ashamed about is that we do have a good show in store for you tonight. So what you're going to see is a lot of people trolling me for the Ohio State shirt. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. But I'm a man of my word. I've, <laughs> I got to do it. I got to do it. Either way, I want your LSU score predictions. Get them in the comments. We'll put them up there. If you want your name on the screen, you want to talk about what the score prediction for LSU Ole Miss will be, put it up in the comments and we will get it up there. Also, don't forget to hit that like and share on Facebook and Twitter. You can hit the retweet. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube at Are You Serious Sports and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and subscribe there as well with our good partners that we graciously love to death, our good partners over at Believe. But before we get to all of your comments, all of your comments and everything, you know what time it is. Let's get it over to my good friends at GM Varno and Sons. GM Varno and Sons has faithfully been serving your Denim Springs and Baton Rouge area for over 62 years. With your highly trained technicians, there's absolutely nothing that they can't do. 
RV repair, big rig overhauls, motorhome chassis, truck repair, routine maintenance, tire repair, tires rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them Blake Rafino sent you by. Also, for the number one real estate team in all of the North Shore, go to team.kw.com. That's team.kw.com. Tell them Blake Rafino sent you by. If you want to... Oh, sorry, guys. We had a phone call. I had to delete it. But if you want a interview or if you want to meet with one of them today, got lost there. Go to your home team. Give them a call today at 985-467-7355. That's 985-467-7355. Tell them Blake Rafino sent you by. Okay. Let's see. We got some more right here. Also, I forgot to mention Zach Pearson, the great LSU ex-pitcher. Zach Pearson is going to be stopping by at 715. Also, our good friend, the intern has returned. He has blossomed his wings. Mr. Jonathan Rifkin from uh, Just Recruiting is going to be joining us as well. Let's get to some of these. Let's get to some of these. Blaine says, LSU 44, Ole Miss 38. I like it. Now, Ole Miss had some big news today. Their two top weapons, their two top weapons on offense, Elijah Moore being the biggest, have opted out today. That changes everything for me, y'all. Changes everything. It looks like Max Johnson, who was injured there at the end of the game, looks like he's going to be ready to go. But Ty Davis Price for LSU is not going to be able to go along with Chase and Hodge. So you do have some injuries on both teams. You definitely have some injuries. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I think that LSU is going to win this game myself. Joseph says, LSU 44, old piss. 38. I like it. I like it. Cade says, LSU 41, Ole Miss 38. Okay. Matthew Daigle says, LSU 35, Ole Miss 21. I'd like that too. Ooh, Seth came in, coming in strong. It's Seth, I don't know what's worse. Me wearing the Ohio State shirt or the, the score predictions picking Ole Miss. But look, I dig it, brother. I dig it. Seth Scott on Facebook Live says, 52-38, Ole Miss. Unfortunately. I don't know if Ole Miss is going to be able to score 52 points. Look, they lead the SEC in yardage. You can't take that away from them. 479 yards per game. But like I've been preaching for so long, yards don't mean nothing if you can't score. If Look, if yards were everything, they'd be undefeated. Now, what happens now in the late part of this week, their top two weapons opt out. I would have assumed that those guys have been practicing a little bit this week as well. So, I, I'm not going to say LSU is going to dominate them, but I think when you have your two big weapons go out, there's something to be looking there. Now, do they have some younger guys that can come in and dominate for Ole Miss? We'll have to see. But LSU's defense has shown that they can play really good, and they have a lot of guys that will be focused. Uh, Roy says, LSU 35, Ole Miss 21. I like that, Roy. Okay, you already had one. <laughs> Bug nut, the man I lost the bet to for the Ohio State shirt. He says, LSU wins 38-27. He has spoken. Jamie says, LSU 41, Ole Miss 28. I dig it. I dig it. Adam Parr says, that shirt, brother. Look, man, I lost a bet. I lost a bet. I might have to pin this in the comments that I lost a bet. Do you guys think that I need to pin this in the comments that I lost a bet? Let me put this in here. I lost. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, no, no. No, no, no. We don't want to print. Cancel. I lost 
a bet to a Ohio State fan C shirt. All right, there we go. And I can pin that comment. There we go. Pin that sucker. There we go. <laughs> uh, Seth Scott says, Lane is going to throw the whole kitchen sink at us. LSU clearly has shown a surplus of busted coverages. Yeah, he's definitely going to throw the entire kitchen sink at us. Seth, I, comp- I, mean, I completely agree there. And it's at Orgeron. And it's LSU. Look, this is their biggest game. Because Mississippi State, it, although maybe it's a, I mean, yes, it is a big rivalry. Yes, it's a big rivalry. But at the end of the day, at the very, very end of the day, I don't. Th- I think that they would want to end the season just like LSU wants to end the season. They want to end the season by a victory. <laughs> Tracy Wynn says, Buckeyes, no. I did. See the comments. Adam Parr. Look at him sucking up to his father-in-law right here with this pick. Look at him. Man. You know, you guys coming over for Christmas, and you got to come to the Rafino household. I don't know if y'all coming, but if you are, you're more than welcome. We'll have alcohol and everything. But look at him sucking up to (laughs) to his father-in-law here, who is an Ole Miss fan. He says, Ole Miss 45, LSU 38. I dig it. I dig it. Let's see. Do we have some other ones? Joseph says defense has improved. I'm sure LSU will eat away at time of possession and keep Lane twiddling his thumbs. My wife would kill me. (laughs) Yeah, she would kill you. She would kill you. All right, everybody joining the show. We greatly appreciate it. Do us a favor. Hit the like and hit the share. Mr. Zach Pearson is going to be joining us in about two minutes. Looking forward to having him on. Kate says, got my 1500 today betting my Florida buddy that Tigers would win. Well, you better pray to sweet baby Jesus. You better be like your boy Ricky Bobby and Talladega Knights. Dear seven-pound, eight-ounce sweet baby Jesus. Because if you betting that kind of money against, uh, what, that Florida's going to lo- win? I don't know about that, dog. Florida ain't beating Alabama. It ain't happening. Blaine Smith, Curry and Emery going to have a huge, huge day. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Look, I'm going to give you some keys before we get to Mr. Zach Pearson here. Look, I, I agree with some of you. LSU has to run the football. LSU is going to have to establish the run and keep the lane train off. Look, Matt Corral is a has a really big arm. Uh, sometimes, and he's not Patrick Mahomes. That's not what I'm about to say here. But he throw his throwing motions are impeccable. He can throw it sidearm. He can throw it from over the top. He can move and just really, really hum that sucker. I really like Matt Corral. I think that Lane Kiffin coming to Ole Miss has been a big deal for him. And you got to keep him off of the field. You have to. Now, the only thing if I were Matt Corral that I'd be really nervous about is if they can't run the football. Now, they can. And Lane really, really, really loves to run the football. That's one thing that everybody doesn't really understand with Lane Kiffin. They see the long passes. They see the innovation. But what people don't fully understand is that Lane Kiffin really likes to run the football. That's one staple that he's taken everywhere he's gone, and you got to be careful with that. So you're going to have to stop the run. And if you don't stop the run, it's going to be a long night because Matt Corral is going to tee off on you. Uh, defensively, Ole Miss is Rudy Poo, as we like to say here on the show. Rudy Poo. LSU is going to be able to move the football. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're going to put up a lot of points, but Ole Miss's defense is boo-boo. Real boo-boo. So I think if you're able, 
if you're able to just keep on the field and run the football and run it down their throats and tire out a really inexperienced and not that good of a defense, you're going to win big. But my, my prediction, my real score prediction, will come out Saturday as they always do. Okay, let's get over to Mr. Zach Pearson, who is in with us. Let's get to one more. 34-24, the Tigers says Dylan Landry. I like that. I like that. Okay, before we get to Mr. Zach Pearson, guys, don't forget to go see my good friend, Mr. John Patton, over at Area Home Lending. Oh, I muted my mic. There we go. Guys, if you're looking to save money on the mortgage that you have now or even doing that cash out refi, the timing has never been better. Get in touch with John Patton today at Area Home Lending, 225-663-2500. That's 225-663-2500. And tell him Blake Rafino sent you by. Mr. Zach Pearson, what's happening, Big Daddy? What's going on, man? Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. I greatly appreciate you joining the show with us tonight, as always, on your Thursday time slot. Zach, I got to be honest. And I have to, I, I, I sent you the questions today, but I got one off-script one. One off-script one. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. As you see, I have an Ohio State shirt on, right? So I lost a bet. Have you ever lost a bet where you had to do something and you're like, man, I just really don't want to do it, but you have to kind of like man up anyway and do it? Um, nothing, nothing too bad. I've, I've actually been on the, on the good end of a few of those bets, but my wife and I have a running one where, um, so the high school that she went to, their like big rival is, uh, where my dad went to school. So we have this running bet where, um, whichever team wins that football game that year, we have to wear that team's colors the following year. Oh. So we just go to the game every year and we're either both wearing blue or red and we get to like do it that way because we're going to stop on both sides so one of us has to kind of take it but that's pretty much uh like i don't have many like standing ones i did see the one guy in there that said he won the 1500 on the uh lsu florida game that's that's a ballsy bet my man (laughs) oh i know look i would not bet lsu this year if my life depended on it like i betted the lsu vandy game and I, because I thought that LSU would just turn it on, I thought their offense was really good, and I didn't think Vandy would score. But outside of that, I'm not. Ta- I'm not betting LSU at all. I'm not betting them. I'm not betting them Saturday, even though Elijah Moore and another player for Ole Miss le- is leaving and opting out. Zach, I just can't. I'm the kind of person, Zach. I can't bet on the team that I root for. Emotions get the better of me. Is that the same with you? If you ever do that. Oh, absolutely. I, I refuse to bet on uh, Saints or LSU games because I, I, I'm too much of a homer and I can't like unbiased judge the game. I'm like, oh, well, of course we're going to win. Of course. Well, I know. And that's kind of the thought process of me too. I'm like, I justify it in my head if I ever make that bet. Now, yes, I bet a little bit on LSU Clemson. I was like, let's go all in, you know, forget it, screw it. But That's different though. Yeah. That's, right. That's different though. That's just like putting your money where your mouth is for a national championship. That's one thing. Like that's, Makes it more exciting that way. Yes, indeed. All right, Zach. Look, LSU had a big victory Saturday. Huge. I mean, something. And we, it was funny because look, the last two weeks we talked about the underdog, right? Like, hey, the underdog never really wins. But LSU did yeah. something that I was really surprised about. They went out there and fought. How surprised were you that look just during the whole game that LSU had a lot of fight and they came out victorious against the Gators? I. I would say surprised. I think more, I guess surprised is the word more, but like pleasantly surprised. Like it's, is the thing that we've been asking to see the whole time. Like, I don't care if you win or lose. I just don't want it to feel like we were getting rolled over. 
And I felt like for the Florida game, we just finally got to see what it looked like whenever this roster, who has supreme talent top to bottom, what it looks like when this roster can just throw any, any one of their players on the field willing to fight, that's the outcome that we can get. So I think it kind of answered a lot of questions in terms of how good are we really? I think the answer was really, really good. Um, we just had things not go our way so far this season. But that Florida game was awesome, really fun to watch. I thought so, too. And you know what's interesting, Zach, from my perspective, is don't tell me that you can't go out there Saturday and beat Ole Miss now, right? Like, a a, a lot of people are saying, well, this is all on Florida. You know, Florida messed up. Florida didn't do this. Florida didn't do that. Well, no, when you you have a pick six and then you intercept another guy twice on a crazy interception and then you have a a, a fumble and then you really go down there and score – Look, I, what what was Florida to do there? It's not like LSU doesn't have talent. Uh, but the biggest thing that was surprising to a lot of people was the play of Max Johnson. Okay, what did you see from that true freshman in Max Johnson, and how impressed were you about his game? I liked his game a lot. I thought uh, I thought he was making all the plays that we needed him to make. Um, I thought we were able to move the ball really well, and I thought that defensively we were making every possible play imaginable. And, and like you brought up, you know, Florida may have lost that game. That's absolutely true. I'm okay with admitting it. The thing is, when you're in a game like that, let's say you're the Florida in that situation. You have things to play for in that situation. You can't lose the way that LSU was last year. And I think that what's important is there's a saying that we used to always use, but don't let the coward get brave, right? Mm. So if you're that much better, you come out, you step on their throats, you send them home with their loss, and you keep it stepping. Florida did not do that. They made every mistake imaginable in all the way down to the final drive, and they deserved to lose that game. Were they the better roster? Probably so. We had a bunch of 19-year-olds on the field. But they <laughs> let that LSU roster keep their bravery. They let them like, feel like they were in the game. And then when it came down to where it was a 50-50 chance, they went and won the game for them. So, I mean, I thought, I thought that the offense looked good. I thought the defense showed us something that made me extremely excited for the next two or three seasons. Mm. And I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I think that with a win against Ole Miss, you can finally start spinning those wheels and putting all this crap behind them. Zach, that's a good point. Now, listen, I just wrote keep the bravery, okay? Now, when you come on the show <laughs> – Okay, when you keep when you come on the show during baseball season and there's a midweek loss, just remember Big Daddy is gonna circle back to keep the bravery. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. But it's true though, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I I was I've been tired of hearing and I've kind of got obliterated. Look, I go on national radio shows during the week. Oh, Blake, they don't have talent. And I'm like, BS. They showed you they right. have talent. It just is putting it all together with the complete game, and I thought that they had uh, their most complete game Saturday against Florida. Here's something funny, Zach. Hashtag hashtag from Greg Schilling. <laughs> How fast can you throw a shoe? Um, I mean, fast enough to lose a football game. True. Um, I, 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 let's see. I'm assuming slower than I can throw a baseball. And I definitely can't throw a baseball as hard as I used to be able to throw a baseball. So if I had picked up a shoe right now, maybe warmed up, I don't know. I could maybe get a good 40 miles an hour out of it, see how far I could send that thing. Look, quick quick story about the sh- uh, shoot. Well, two questions. One story. I'm not sure if Evan or Clay ever told you about this. Uh, 
Washington Paris Free Fair we have in Franklinton, right? But it's this huge fair. They have a lot of rides, a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Okay, so there's this one thing that they would always have, and you would get a baseball, and you would see how fast you would throw. Well, it was always rigged, okay? So I just cool. got a, I got a baseball, and I threw it. I mean, and I didn't throw it really that hard, and it was 55 miles an hour. And Jeff was like, really? Really? Like, look, Mr. Noodle Arm over here? And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, and so, like, I crow hot, and I threw it as hard as I could. Again, 52 miles an hour. And I could, I never <laughs> heard the end of that for the rest of my life. But anyway, I just thought I thought it was interesting. Zach, have you ever speaking of the shoe? And I know that we talked today, but there's something I just forgot about because it's it feels so long ago. Is there? Have you ever been in a game where you where something like that happens, or have you ever seen something like that happen when in your playing time where it's like, hey, maybe a rally possum? I mean, something that crazy just happens. Uh, I. We we took a lead against Houston in a regional game, a game that we ended up losing. But <laughs> at the moment, we didn't know we were going to lose. But it was the same kind of thing. Ball skips down the line um, at Alex Box and gets, like, stuck in the wall. Oh, but, I remember uh, that. The player, the player was able to remove the ball, but instead he threw his hands up, which is kind of what they teach anyway. But we just <laughs> we just roll the bases umpire goes out there and is like nah it wasn't stuck and it was just too late at that point we had we had earned a bunch of like very cheap runs doing that but i do remember i mean a very similar situation that was a playoff game for us yeah and that was a hell of a series look houston was good that year too i mean that was a really that was a hell of a series and i'm gonna gonna leave that one be uh look we gotta remember the (laughs) do you remember like the it's not a scandal but we we would joke about it after the fact that it was a scandal do you remember what happened Going into the, let's see. So you play like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you win all your games, you win the regional. But they had won the first game, so they forced the game two on yep. Monday night. Right. Do you remember the story for the Sunday night? Something ha- something happened. I remember it wasn't it wasn't a player some a player at Houston did something right, and I can't remember what what happened there again. Refresh I wish. my memory. I wish that was the case. Actually, it was a player from LSU, and I'm not going to throw him under the bus. Oh, He's throw him under the bus. Google. <laughs> Go full <laughs> Michael Scott on him. Is, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so he was a freshman that year, and uh, they had forced the game to – it still makes me sick to this day, but uh, they had forced the game to – he was a freshman. He was getting the start because we were rolling bullpen guys at this point. <laughs> and – one of the Baton Rouge media guys goes up and they're like, so, uh, you know, like you got the ball tomorrow. Uh, you know, what do you think about this team and about the game and this and that? And just T-ball interview question where it's just like, they have a great team. We have a great team. We're going to play hard. See you tomorrow. Right? No, this kid comes out and he says, I have the ball and I guarantee we're going to win. <laughs> and we were like, oh, no. I remember Everybody was in the locker room like, well, put it on the scoreboard now. Because that immediately went straight into their locker room. You just know it. Yeah. So he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, I guarantee we're going to win. The guy didn't get an out. <laughs> he got pulled in the front. I remember that. I remember that. Eesh. that now, that. that was bad. And that was a, look, that was a very, hindsight 2020, looking back on it now, being in my older age, that was a hell of a series. Like, re- really and truthfully, that was a fun series. Like, even though, you know, things might oh, yeah. have not gone our way, but that was a really fun series, at least in my opinion. I mean, it was a lot of good baseball played. Zach, here's here. Look, 
I'm not going to say it's the biggest LSU rivalry uh, across all sports uh, because you do have LSU Bama in football, which I think t- just takes the cake of, of all of it. Maybe in the SEC right now, the biggest rivalry, LSU and, and Alabama. But to me personally, Ole Miss is number two. I don't like Ole Miss. They don't like me. I don't like anything that they do. I don't like them in baseball, football, track, swimming, golf, Marco Polo. I want to beat the dark, like dog doo doo out of them. I hope it comes. Yeah. I hope that happens this Saturday. What do you think is going to happen Saturday with the Tigers going up against Ole Miss? I think they win. I, I think ultimately LSU pulls it out. I'm hoping the flame from last Saturday kind of keeps burning. I do expect to see Ole Miss move the ball really well. I also expect to see LSU move the ball really well, and I want to see that our defense can still make plays. I don't know who is going to be in the starting lineup, but I want it to be whoever's on the field, they make their plays. They just do what they got to do. Um, and I think that helps to kind of, like I was saying a minute ago, but that helps to get the ball rolling, and that helps us to be able to believe next season that we are an, a next-man-up kind of team. Like, no, we are that good top to bottom. I think that if you lose to Ole Miss, it really negates a lot of the positives that we saw against Florida. So I really hope that they just kind of keep this snowball rolling. Zach, you, and you answered really the second question and where I, I, I kind of want to go with it. We've talked about momentum for LSU all season long, right? Like, how do you get the momentum? The win Saturday brings that momentum back. Uh, for you, was yeah. there ever a time where a big win kept momentum going or started it for an off season? Do you remember a time in your playing career where you're like, hey, if we win this game, it's going to really start turning stuff for us? Do you ever remember something like that happening? I actually do, yeah. So um, my my freshman year, we only lost five games at wow. LSUE. We were, we were a very solid baseball team. One of those games, though, was the first game of the World Series, a doubleheader, like a double elimination tournament. So we show up in the World Series, we lose game one. We're like, well, here we go now, backs against the wall. We have to climb our way out of this loser's bracket. Mm -hmm. And I remember what ended up happening was we basically just adopted the mentality in the locker room of like, don't let us win one. Like, if you're going to send us home, you better have it happen in two games because we're going to catch fire. We were a team that had lost four games prior to yesterday, (laughs) you know? So, so like, we can win five games in a row. We already know it. We had won 19 in a row back-to-back time. So we were like, okay, don't let us win one. Once we win one, we're, we're back in rhythm. And what ended up happening, we were losing, I think it was the bottom of the eighth, we were losing the game, and Stuart Turner ends up hitting a home run to take the lead. I and then, the, I mean, we won every game after that. But, yeah, it was the exact same moment of, like, all we need is to feel like we have a little momentum. And once that happens, it's a wrap. And correct my memory if I'm wrong here, Stuart Turner went to Ole Miss, didn't he? He did, yeah. I, how ironic. <laughs> how Rudy Poo is Stu for going to Ole Miss? Like, I might I might get a group text going here and be like, hey, it's LSU Ole Miss week. Eat. No, I'm not going to say that. But anyway, he's but yeah, dude. dude, he was a, he's a great, gr- dude. great guy. Yes, exactly. Great guy. And look, a hell of a baseball player, by the way, too. But that's a good story because, look. Oh, God, yeah. I think LSU has to get this win Saturday to gain momentum. And we're talking about recruiting, too. Look, it was a big day yesterday for recruiting for LSU. Did you ever, in your career, like if you saw a big big recruiting class coming in, you're ever like, dog, we got some dudes just coming in here. We're about to be solid. Do you – because I remember at Southeastern, I would know that we would get some dogs, and I'm like, look, man, we're going to have a pretty damn good squad. I never really thought or ever 
I never it never really crossed my mind that oh this guy's coming to take my spot because I wanted to be a dog too. But does that also build momentum for a team in your opinion? I think it does in the in the sense of like no we got dudes like it kind of helps you it, you just kind of feel like like I don't know like if you're with your toughest friends and you're like if we got in a gang fight right now we'd be set you know <laughs> like I just think it's that kind of feeling of like no we got enough guys what's what's funny I always catch myself and I do it every year because LSU's football recruiting classes are always great uh-huh. and it's funny the way I view a recruiting class in a sport I didn't play versus the one that I did play because when I was on the roster. I would see we got dudes, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, can't wait to see how they really look when they come in. And then when I see a football recruiting class that's as loaded as this, I'm like, oh, we're never losing again. (laughs) It's like, they've already proven it. Well, you know, we talked earlier, Zach, about not betting for the teams that we root for, right? That's the main reason. Look, we had a huge show last night. Everybody was fired up because of recruiting. Everybody was fired up because of the Florida matchup, and I get that. But that is exactly why I cannot do like even bet because I'm going to justify and I'm going to try to be a, 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 as objective as I can. But I'm like you, man. Like I looked at that class yesterday and I'm looking at the defensive line and, and knowing some of the defensive linemen that they're going to be bringing in this class. And I'm like, man, if you're playing quarterback, you better get COVID during that week because you're going to get <laughs> you're going to get killed, man. So you are right. I, I, I'm. That's just my mentality on it, Zach. All right, we got one big question, and I know I kind of want to go here, and I know that we talked about it today. It's our out of sports question. Okay. The PS Five okay. and the new Xbox have come out. Now I know where you're yeah. gonna go, so I'm gonna give you the floor. Which console reigns just reigns over everything? Which console do you want? Do you have? And what will you always stick to? PS Five or Xbox? So, uh, okay, I can, I can talk about this all day, so I'm going to shorten it. Um, I am a PlayStation guy. Um, Me too. Through and through, there was no question about whether or not I was going to even try to buy the new Xbox. <laughs> I was going PS5, day one, I got it, and I never even looked at the Xbox. With that said, I also don't really buy into the, like, the console wars because I think they're both really incredible machines. Right, but I I'm a guy who I, so I don't play a lot of like online shooters, which is what most of my friends play. For that, they swear that Xbox is better. I can't comment on that. I like to play like single player campaign kind of stuff. I like to play story based stuff. And where it currently stands and where it has stood for the last six or eight years, PlayStation just dominates. Like Xbox has nothing they can compare to the exclusives. So I play those games, and that's that's pretty much what I go with. I did get my hands on a PS5 on launch day, and I've played it, I think, every day since. So what kind of strings did you have to pull to get that PS5? Who did Paul Maneri call to get you a PS5? Because you know he's got some he, – he, he knows some people. He does. I, I, I wish <laughs> I had strings like that to pull. Um, I, I could have I tried a lot less. No, I had to track. I was doing the same thing as everybody else. I was tracking those websites for stock, trying to place orders. I fought that thing for weeks, dude. And I ended up landing one at like 2 a.m. the night or the morning that they were dropping. I don't know how. It was just, it was because like oh, the wow. website I was buying from, they were only selling local ones for in store only. And I had been losing to the bots every <laughs> single day. Yes, <laughs> so, indeed. I was like, I was like, this is my only shot because I'm only competing with other people who were in Shreveport, uh-huh. and I was able to get like one of those six. <laughs> I got really lucky though. <laughs> well, dude, I, look, 
I'm going to tell you this. I was never really, well, until I got to college, like first-person shooter and all that kind of stuff, like role, like story games mm-hmm. like you talked about, I never was really big on yeah. them until I got to college. So I, I flipped from Xbox to PlayStation because Xbox never had a baseball game. Okay? And so... Yeah, and the show, the show is a big seller for me, too. Yeah. It for, really is. Especially, especially when uh, in Julio, Rafino, Iglesias... Okay, hits 876 home runs, okay, in his career in 10 seasons. You know that you have to go do it. Okay, I was the best third baseman of all time, best shortstop of all time. I was the best left fielder of all time and the best catcher of all time. But I had to, I had to get rid of catcher. Never play catcher on the one person. It is the toughest thing to ever do, in my opinion. But definitely, definitely 876 home runs. So you mean to tell me that MLB The Show can pronounce whatever that name is that you just said, but they can't pronounce it? <laughs> <laughs> no. So you know the – and I know we talked about this earlier today, but I had to uh, change my name to Big Daddy, like the nicknames, because they can never say my name. They can ha- they have Ruffin, yeah. but not Ruffino. Like, how can you do that, man? Just put an O at the end. You know, but anyway, yeah. that's, that's a big seller that they need to work on. Like – can I just put like put a mic in there and so I can use my last name, you know, to say my last name? And I know that you probably have the same struggle. Oh, I absolutely do. I am I am Zachary Person in every my career that I've ever been in my life. Yes, indeed. Hey, we have a question here, Zach, from Mr. Carl Dunn, huge, huge LSU fan. And look, he's in the box there. He says, hashtag ask Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but was, weren't you on the team – for the 23-game winning streak for LSU. Were you on the team then, Zach? I don't think you were. Were you? I don't think so because I feel like I would have remembered that. If I had to bet, I would bet that that was probably the 2013 team yes. that went to Omaha and they had like an insane record. Actually, their record was so good that – so I was in JUCO at that time to answer his question. Their record was so good that for the conditioning test, they used to base the running off of the amount of losses the day before, uh, the year before. Oh, wow. So that was how they would do it. Like, yeah, if you were a garbage team the next year for like your conditioning test, you were getting run down. Well, that team had lost so few games that they had to like change it. They had to do like one and a half. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would have just been too easy. And shit bit Paul in the ass there, didn't it? That's funny. Yeah, he was like, well, we got to do something. The test wouldn't have been hard. Hey, look, listen here. And you can ask anybody that ever went step foot in the town of Franklinton, Louisiana. My freshman year in baseball, we had this coach named Brett Beer. Just got done with playing football at you know Vanderbilt SEC, uh, in the SEC. And then he, got done, he, went, he mm-hmm. transferred to Southeastern, and then he was a coach at Franklinton. Zach, we beat Bugalusa in JV. 28 to 2. 28 to 2. Okay? We ran. We well, we had to do 100-yard lunges there and back. Okay? We had to do backwards lunges on a football there there and back cuz our fields used to be connected. We had to run stadium bleachers. Okay? We missed one we had one error. We had to run foul poles for for uh 45 minutes for one error. Okay? And I'm like this is never this is never going to end. Like how can we beat a team 28 to 2 and have to run this much? 
We go play St. Paul's. And for JV, you know, seven innings, you know, in high school, that's a long time. We lost to St. Paul's nine to eight. And I was for sure. I said to myself, Zach, I was like, I'm quitting. I'm going to Jeff. And I was like, I quit. I'm not playing anymore. Baseball sucks. I'm not doing this anymore. We never ran for He never ran us. He never ran us after that. And, he, and I'm like, what the hell were you trying to do here? He goes, I just wanted to see which one of y'all would break. Zach, in all honesty, mm-hmm. in all honesty, that team, my senior year team, there was we got beat by the Zach Van Rosenberg Zachary team. We were we had the most wins in Franklinton baseball senior class in its history. Okay, just to tell like, and yeah. that's I made a joke there, but just to go and base like that off of sports, like the mentality that you have to have, and I think that 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 bodes well for LSU football right now too. And just the simple fact of like, hey, that mental that mental stuff that you had to click on in your head to be able to do stuff like that. And that's interesting that y'all went through that uh, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You made me think of a story. When I was a senior in high school, we were, I don't remember what we were. We were like nine and eight or something to start the year. We were not playing well. And I remember our coach, we were in a tournament and our coach brings everybody in the locker room right after in and out. So like first pitches. <laughs> is like moving it's on its way and he said all right guys listen in my however many years that i've been coaching i have never in my life (laughs) been 500 this many games into a season so he said so that tells me a couple things one something's wrong with someone in this locker room and two if we lose today i will run y'all until someone quits (laughs) he said we're gonna get that guy out of here we ended up winning the next 18 games (laughs) Hey, dude. Nobody wanted to run. Hey, that running – look, running will get a team focused more than anything. Believe me. And me being oh, a Husky dude, I, I, I trust me, I do it. Zach, appreciate you coming on as always in your Thursday slot, man. Tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter and everything that you got going on as well. Twitter, Zach underscore Pearson. It's spelled like person. Um, Instagram, Zach Person. Uh, find me on there. I crack jokes, and I like to live tweet sports games. So <laughs> – Feel free. Yes, indeed. Thanks, my man. We'll see you next week, and y'all have a good weekend. And look, we might not be doing a show next Thursday, so if I don't, I know the fans and people, listeners won't see you. You have a Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Hey, you too, and uh, everybody listening, y'all as well. Merry Christmas. See y'all later. All right, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right. We have Mr. Jonathan Rifkin from Just Recruiting. The man is back. It's a reunion. But not, not, not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. We got to get to our great friends over at the Drake Law Firm. Personal injury, criminal defense, real estate, or successions. There's absolutely nothing that the Drake Law Firm can't do for you. Go see them today at 154 West Pine Street, Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Tell them Blake Rafino sent you by. And if you do, they'll give you a little bit of a discount. Give them a call today at 985-385-1826. That's 985-385-1826. And tell them Blake Rafino sent you by. He is back. The man is oh, back. Man. He is graduated. I haven't seen him in mu- in months. What's up, brother? What is? I almost want to like kind of hide my face. It's almost too much pressure being back here with everybody. <laughs> but it is. Oh, I miss the AYS fans. I miss the following. I miss the LSU bias more than anything. Let me tell you. Uh, I know, man. Well, look. Rifkin, I'm not sure. Well, I appreciate you having you uh, coming on with us tonight, man. We got a lot of recruiting stuff that we need to talk about. But look, I lost a bet, Rifkin. 
Okay, I lost a bet. If you can't see, I have to wear an Ohio State shirt because I said LSU was going to go above 500. Well, they're not. So I'm paying off my debts. So I have not flipped my allegiance from LSU. Just want to let you know that for sure. You haven't flipped your allegiance, but you need to flip your camera because right now I'm reading E-Tats. Oh, E-I-Ho. currently back. I don't know if anybody's noticed this. I need to hold up the mirror to make sure that's actually an Ohio State shirt out here. I don't know if Bucknut has, has called you out on this yet. Yeah, I'm going to have to flip my camera. That's a good point. And the AYS looks backwards. You're right. I'm going to have to do that. I'm definitely going to have to do that. Rifkin, it was a big a big day in recruiting, man. A huge day. Let's start out west and make ourselves to the east. USC, and I know that you love that. You know, I know that you like talking about the West Coast. I was surprised, uh, honestly, Jonathan, in reference to what USC was able to put on, what Oregon was able to do. And something that I thought was interesting, too, is that USC always seems to find really good quarterbacks. Uh, in the Pac-12, who did you think had the best day in the recruiting world? I mean, USC and Oregon by far. And look, by the way, just so everybody knows, Oregon has the top two recruiters ranked in the nation. Like, I was not surprised at Oregon. And by the way, uh, they're Ty Thompson, five-star quarterback out of Arizona, will be committing uh, to Oregon in January. So they're going to get another five-star in the books. It's going to boost their their national ranking. Now, look, they're a top six recruiting class. Um, and Mario Cristobal just got offered a, a, a pretty nice contract today. Uh, five years, $27.5 million. It would make him the eighth highest paid head coach in the nation all these players want to go play for him he hasn't officially signed so all you auburn people you know you can hang your hat maybe that if, if auburn can now gus malzahn got paid eight million dollars a year so auburn is in a position off from crystal ball more i don't know if he's gonna take it his wife tweeted today that he they're in eugene to stay so we'll see but um oregon had the day that i expected i expect them to be a top six recruiting class um and, and they were just that and, and to be honest with you the top six the top seven um, really shaped out the way that I thought it was going to. I, I think that, you know, look, everybody was like, oh, LSU's down season and, and the whispers of what we may find out in the upcoming months with the program um, were supposed to affect its recruiting class. That doesn't happen, right? Because this program, it's name brand recognition. It has great coaching staff. Um, and, and look, every team has a bad year, right? USC hasn't been the winningest team in the Pac-12 since before 2010, and yet they're a consistent top 20 recruiting class every single year. They just don't put it together. LSU had, has one bad season in the most unlevel playing field that we have ever seen with it being the COVID year. And everybody all of a sudden is saying, oh, LSU is going to lose all these recruits. That's not going to happen, right? And so we'll get to the LSU side here in a second. Uh, USC. Look, USC, they, the reason that they get such great quarterbacks is because they recruit in the best part of the country for quarterbacks, which is Southern right. California. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, you're gonna, you see JT Daniels out there at, at Georgia. They're much better with him. He's out of San Clemente. Matt Corral is out, out here in Southern California as well, who you guys are going to see this upcoming Saturday. I mean, it, the list goes on and on for the, the local products out here in Southern California. And USC, it's their, back, it's their backyard. So it makes a lot of sense. Miller Moss is going to be a really good four-star for them. Jake Garcia decommitted, which I said was going to happen back when I was with AYS. I remember uh, that. He was playing. He was playing with Voldost out in Georgia. Um, he's probably going to be committing to Miami. Um, but other than that, I mean, USC, Graham Harrell, everybody wants to go throw the football. And when you run an air raid offense, you're going to get quarterbacks because they want to throw the football 60 times a game. Now, the air raid doesn't, as we have learned, really equate to NFL success. Now, Joe Burrow was in a, uh, an innocuous situation at LSU. But every Mike Leach quarterback, with the exception of maybe one or two, really isn't 
uh, an NFL talents or caliber talents. So the air raid really doesn't totally equate to the NFL, but guys want to go and throw the football. So USC and Graham Harrell system uh, attracts a uh, really, really good quarterback. So out West, you know, those are the two programs. UCLA finally got into their in top six in the Pac-12, but Chip Kelly, he doesn't recruit for, for stars. He recruits for scheme and they had a really good season. I mean, they were, they were a one bad pick, um, a really bad spot, and a comeback from Colorado from being 6-0 and this year. So uh, the Pac-12 is on the up and up. It's the most fluid conference in the nation. And uh, recruits, you know, we're not going to have all the five stars, but we're going to have some guys that fit the schemes of these teams that uh, end up going and playing 100% every week. Well, I want to I want to circle back to USC in, in a little bit, uh, Rifkin, in reference to, look, I don't know if you, if you called the show the other night, uh, I kind of teed off on the committee about USC. I thought it was a little unfair. And look, I'm not a USC fan. I, I look, and especially in Louisiana, going back to 2003, when they made USC and LSU split that national championship, there's a lot of bad blood for no real reason between those teams. They've never really played. They don't recruit a lot of the same kids. So it was always a beef there. But we'll circle back to that one. Let's move over to the Midwest. Uh, in the Big Ten, and something that I was not surprised about is Ohio State being a top-two class in the nation. But here's the question. Everybody wants uh, Harbaugh out at Michigan. The separation between those two teams, not only from a, a, a player perspective and recruiting, but from a culture aspect. I mean, Rifkin, is this just getting to a point where Michigan just is not going to be able to get there unless they do some real overhaul there? It's the Tom Herman complex, right? They're not going to fire Harbaugh unless they can go find somebody who they believe is better. Urban Meyer is not going to go coach at Michigan, right? Gus Malzahn is not a better coach. Kevin Sumlin was 0-5, had lost 370 days um, or four 370 days at Arizona. Like there are no, there's no coaching carousel. Hugh Freeze is not going to go to Michigan. These, the coaches that are on the market right now are not better than Harbaugh or they're not going to want to go play or coach at Michigan, the big, the big 10 is tough. The big 10 is a really, really tough conference right now, especially right with Northwestern on the rise, especially we'll, we'll see what happens at Penn state. Penn state is a, is a sort of an interesting situation, but Indiana, I mean, Indiana's re- had their best recruiting class of the entire, uh, their entire football career up to this point. And we know what happens when Penix comes back, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Once again, Wisconsin top 15 recruiting class in a full season. I think Wisconsin is another competitive team. The big 10 is really hard. And is a really tough conference to recruit in. Harbaugh has consistently been able to get good recruits, but he doesn't put the pieces together. It's the same thing that that's been happening with Clay Helton at USC. You can have the best players in the country. You can have some of the top recruiting classes, but football is a team sport at the end of the day. Like a quarterback here and a quarterback there may make the difference. But as we're seeing at Oklahoma State with Chuba Hubbard or at Oregon State with Jamar Jefferson, some of the best running backs in the country, you can have some of the best individual talent. But if you don't put it together, you're not going to win football games. And that's just what's been happening at Michigan. Um, in terms of the culture, they want to make sure that they get a guy who will preserve the Michigan culture, who can go in and try and beat Ohio State, or at least give these this team a chance. And they don't know if there's anybody out there right now that can. So, um, I again, it feels like the Tom Herman complex. Tom, Now, everybody said at, at Texas, and I'm sure we'll get to that, that Tom Herman was out and that Urban Meyer was the guy. Well, right. Urban Meyer was never the guy. The guy was actually Mario Cristobal. They wanted to take Mario Cristobal away from Oregon and bring him to Texas. Mario Cristobal doesn't want to be in the Big 12. He wants to be either in the SEC or he's going to stay at Oregon. When I say the SEC, I don't even think he's going to go to Auburn. It's going to, He wants Nick Saban's job. It's Nick Saban's job or he's staying at Oregon unless a team comes in. If Auburn comes in with $12 million and he's the highest paid head coach in the country, then fine. 
but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, so they're not going to do the, that. <laughs> it's, it's exactly. It's the same exact deal with Harbaugh at Michigan. Until unless unless an NFL team swoops up Harbaugh, Michigan is not going to can him until they find somebody better that can preserve the culture and then also put the pieces together uh, to win football games. Well, I, two things. Number one, thank you for telling me to flip my camera. Okay, so we're able to <laughs> we're able to do that. Okay, <laughs> completely just was in my own zone. Uh, but I agree with you. Look, and I honestly, Rifkin, I got ripped up on this one a little bit, but it, why fire Gus Malzahn right before signing day? Made no sense. LSU was able to flip Armani Goodwin, uh, top five running back in the class that they really needed because look at the depth that they have. It was absolutely dumb. And sometimes, and look, really and truthfully, Gus Malzahn is three and five against Nick Saban. One more win away, and he's 500 against him. And there's nothing else that you can really do. And quite honestly, until Nick leaves, that Auburn job as a head coach, and I know that coaches don't think like this, but it's a lose-lose situation. Like, what would Chris Ball want to go there and do? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why I said, look, you're you're dominated in Oregon. Why would you leave? I didn't really understand that, but I'm right there with you. Look, let's go down south and make our way down south a little bit. I, I'm just kind of going to the, the top programs in the nation uh, along conferences. I was really surprised by Oklahoma in the Big 12. The reason I was surprised by Oklahoma was because they got Caleb Williams. Some people believe the best quarterback in the country. Some pe- people have at least in the top three, the top five, whatever service you look at. I was surprised, Rifkin, that they were able to go out and get big offensive linemen. And something that they've really struggled with is being able to get guys in the interior. Do you think that their culture is starting to change along too? That like, hey, we got beat by LSU last year in the playoffs. We got beaten before in the playoffs by Georgia, and we got dominated up front. Do you think that that has been a a, a focus for Lincoln Riley uh, in these in these past recruiting classes uh, as we've seen? Absolutely. I mean, go look at the history of of really good Oklahoma players. They're all skill position players. The problem is, is that it's not a winning it's not a winning formula, right? Like you need to have an right. football team, and they have the skill position players, right? They have Caleb Williams. They have Billy Bowman, who's a four star defensive back. They have Mario Williams, um, who's a, a four star wide receiver. But and they have a bunch of returns. Also, everybody remember, and I think that this went over a lot of people's head. This is a free year. You were you regain eligibility. We're going to see a lot of players, a lot of really good skill position players return to these programs. It doesn't you go across the country, odds are, you know, if you're not a first or second round pick, there's no reason to go. There's no if you feel like your value could be higher by regaining your year of eligibility and playing or your incentive to stay is greater than trying to go, they're going to stay. So, right. most this year more than ever. We don't know what next year is going to look like. We have no effing clue what football is going to look like next year with players staying with, you know, recruit the the not the dead period for recruiting is extended through April this year and completely of stupid March. by the way. But anyway, keep oh, going. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, look, but like but you're right. Like uh, there's going to be a lot of extenuating factors that are may change the outlook in the next few months than where it is right now. With that being said, Oklahoma, you're absolutely right. They, they've historically recruited phenomenal skill position players. Lincoln Riley has done a very good job with his intuition, finding the players that he moved the football, but their defense has never been very good. And they've also had to deal with quarterback hurries. I mean, go look at the loss against Iowa state, right? Where did they get beat? They got beat, beat up on the line and they need to find a way now to remedy that situation. If they want to go in, 
and win the Big 12. The Big 12, look, it's not the most competitive conference, but it's a top-heavy conference, and Oklahoma is now being challenged at the top of that conference. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens against Iowa State on Saturday, but, um, I mean, look, Me at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, when you recruit a certain way and it only works to a point, that's when you have to start moving the, the, the needle some in another aspect. And for Oklahoma, it's the offensive line. And if you don't, the historically, the coaches that don't, and they stick to their program, they stick to their system, and it starts to falter because, you know, it's sort of the Chip Kelly complex at Oregon, right? <laughs> Chip Kelly never had top recruiting classes at Oregon, but he always recruited to the system. And eventually other teams figured out the West Coast offense. They started recruiting the West Coast offense, and it wasn't this brand new, you know, unique system anymore. The air raid is now becoming a popular system. Mike Leach, everybody's, oh, Mike Leach innovated, right? Like now this is something that is not uncommon in football. So when a system is figured out, you have to find a way to change it and make it unique and start winning football games, or you're not going to be the coach there very much longer. I, I completely agree with you there. And look, I don't know if you – some of our fans, I don't know if they'll know this, but do you remember the Avengers, the very first Avengers movie by chance? Oh, yeah. And and Tony Stark and them were battling because they were making big bombs. And then they were like, look, Thor came here. We didn't know who Thor was. And it showed that Earth was ready for another form of war. When you go to a playoff game and you go through a war and you get dominated – like, physically dominate. Look, LSU beat, and I'm not saying this because this is an LSU show, but when you get beat that much, like, up front, and you're just dominated, you're going to have to change up, and I think it's great uh, by Lincoln Raleigh and what he did. Let's go to the ACC before we go to the SEC because I want to look where Southeast-centric show, and it's probably where a lot of our focus will be. You got to give it up to Clemson. I mean, I went and looked, Rifkin, before this show and today when I was doing some prep. Clemson has had some top five classes, but if you go over the last 10 years, their average is seven and a half, seven and a half to eight. They never get the top recruiting class. Talking about that system, they always seem to get their guy. They go all across the nation to go get some guys. It doesn't matter. California, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, California. They went and got Bo Collins, who I thought from California, who I thought was a really good receiver. They go all over. What is different about how Dabo recruits than everybody else? Can you kind of give our listeners a little bit of what Dabo does a little bit different than everybody that it just kind of seems like, man, he doesn't have the top class, but they're a top team? Well, there's a couple things. By the way, um, I, one of the shows that I do now, um, I have some access into some of the higher-ups of these schools. And actually, I was on a call with with some of the Clemson people, with Ryan Leaf, who I co-host the show with, uh, earlier this week. And we Name drop. About Clemson. <laughs> just joking. Keep going. You don't have to You don't have to joke. I mean, you don't have to say just joking. Uh, he is a much better analyst than he was a football player. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> let's college football aside. Uh um, I have lost in guest the lines every single week. I have lost to him. It has been heart wrenching. Um, anyways, it's experience, like, Rifkin. It's not. It's all experience. Just keep doing what you're doing. Anyways, um, so look, Dabo runs a tight ship. You are not allowed to transfer into Clemson. You are when you when you commit to Clemson and you go to Clemson. You, you're playing 100% or get the hell out. They will drop right. you from that program. They don't care if you're a full scholarship player. They don't care if, if you're a five-star or one-star. You're there for a purpose. There is mm -hmm. no BS in that program. And, if, and, and they know how it is. It is the creme de la creme, right? You can't – no JUCO transfers. doesn't matter. They will not give you a second look. You are there as a freshman, and that is it. And that it builds up a culture, right? And I think the Clemson culture – 
is now taking the nation by storm. Why? Because they're a consistent team that is consist that is considerably improving each and every year. Obviously, they won a national championship, and now they have to go deal with a Notre Dame team that honestly. It sucks that Ian Book isn't in the Heisman conversation because Ian Book should be in the Heisman conversation. He's done, he hasn't done anything better than Mac Jones per chance. Or, or I mean, look, it's a, it's a quarterback award. So we all know that it's probably it going to go to quarterback. But what Ian Book has done at, at Notre Dame is better, I think, in full than what Kyle Trask has done in terms of the winning culture and the ability to spread the ball around than what Kyle Trask has done at Florida. But again, it's the name and brand. What Clemson does in the ACC, and the ACC is getting better and better every year, right? UNC is a very good program. Miami uh, is the most overrated program now in my imagination in the country. No uh, question. Outside of, outside of how Florida dropped one spot after losing to you guys last week. So now they're the most overrated program. But Miami inside and out is a very overrated program. But they're still considerably talented, right? They get good recruiting classes. They recruit really well nationally, especially out, out of South in the, in the Miami-Dade area. But mm-hmm. Clemson always finds a way to, to be at the top of the conference. And I wouldn't be surprised. If they lose a close one to Notre Dame, if we see a first ever two loss team get into the college football playoff, because to be honest with you, I I don't care if AM has one loss and it's to Alabama. I don't care if USC is six and zero and blows Oregon out of the water on Friday. I don't I don't care if you know they put in, decide to put in Cincinnati or Coastal or whoever. The only team that can compete with Alabama as a fourth seed is, is Clemson. No it doesn't question. matter. It doesn't matter if they lose to Notre Dame. And, and look, we, we've learned that the college football playoff committee is a bunch of BS, right? Like, they're going to protect their biases. And at the end of the day, like, if you hang your hat on your team getting in and you're not one of the, the blue blood powerhouses, you're just not going to have a good time. So probably don't make the end-all, be-all getting into the college football playoff if you're a fan because you're just going to be disappointed every single year. But Clemson, they make it the expectation. They've hit that expectation. Everybody wants to be a part of that team. And that's why they, uh, they're recruiting really well and they're, they're playing their hearts out every week. I agree with you. I don't think we're going to have to worry about Clemson not winning this game. In my opinion, I think it's going to. I think they're going to win. But here's the here's the thing: if Notre Dame loses, even by twenty thirty, it doesn't matter. In my opinion, there's no way that Texas A and M can get in the top five, in the top four because you saw what LSU did to them a couple weeks ago with the same team. They only scored thirteen points against them, and you cannot convince me that they're a top four team in the country. And I think Notre Dame should be there. Uh, Rifkin, let's move down south. Something that's going to get a lot of buzz and something I want to get your take on is that LSU has really struggled. I want an outside perspective because when we look about it, and I don't know if you heard uh, me and Zach talking earlier, but we look through it through one lens, right? And sometimes we can get very one-track mind and one-track focused on one team and be really biased. Were you really shocked? And I don't know if you were or if you weren't, and then I'll go to Alabama, but were you shocked that LSU was still able to pull in a top three class even though they're getting their brains kicked in with some things that are coming uh, coming out in the media, some that we're, it's starting to look like it might, LSU might be able to be okay here, but were you surprised that they were able to finish with a top three class? No, um, I'm not surprised. And I, I sort of opened up the conversation with this, right? Like at the end of the day, the top six teams in the nation in recruiting are also the only six teams to have ever won a football game in the college football playoff <laughs> era, right? In the college football playoff. Right. And, and and that sort of speaks to the way that recruiting works. It's brand, it's likeness, it's name, it's connection. Why is Oregon such an attractive destination? Yeah, they have a guy who was bred down south, and they have one of the best recruiters who goes on the French Polynesian recruits big men, but they have Uncle Phil writing the checks for the mm-hmm. football team, right? They have a big connection, and they have a brand that, that athletes around the country want to go and they want to play for. LSU? LSU just won a national championship. Who cares? Yeah, they had... But again, this year... 
this year is one of the craziest years ever, right? A lot of these kids got stripped of a full high school season. They're yeah. talking about not having high school sports in, in the state of California this year. They're not Oregon and Washington are going to be stripped of it. It is a shit show for all intents and purposes nationally with high school sports. And the ones that the 38 states that have been able to get through the football season, good on you, but it wasn't easy. And I think that now that we're in the college football and we're seeing teams decline bowl games, everybody is saying we, we made it. I'm glad we did it, but it's time for it to be done because it has just been a grueling, both mentally and physically, last few months for all these players. And high school is the same situation. And these kids just want to go. They want to go to a team right. that they have seen recently go and kill it. And LSU fits that bill, right? So, no, I'm not surprised uh, that LSU finished the top three recruiting class. Yeah, you know, you lose a guy here or there, but you also flip a guy here or there, right? Mm -hmm. And the incentive is just too good. It's just too good after the recent years of LSU football for just because of one season with the craziest landscape of college football ever to be had to lose any of that credibility. It just doesn't happen. So no, I'm not surprised. Well, and I, you know what it tells me too, is I, I said this last night on the show and I was saying it pretty much all during the day, tweeting it. Number one, it tells me, it shows me how much national championships matter, right? It, like it shows me how much connections matter and it shows me how much a culture matters. A lot of, look, Ed Orgeron's been criticized a lot about culture, but look, it, they, they held their hat and Ed talked about this just before we came on. Look, we were telling them, look what we did last season. Look what we did last season. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. I don't think that they'll do what they what Joe Burrow did. I don't think that could ever be replicated in, in the way that they did it. But I think it's something that they definitely hang their hat on. Uh, Jonathan Rifkin from Just Recruiting is our guest. I'm not sure if you guys saw the comment, but if you have a question for Rifkin, hit us with the hashtag AskRifkin, and we'll get all of your questions answered uh, before we get out of here. Uh, Jonathan, I have been on record this year saying that I think that this Alabama offense, and we're going to talk a little recruiting, a little football, but this Alabama offense is better than last season's, even with Tua Tagovailoa, because the way that they're so balanced in running the football and throwing the football. Number two, this offensive line might be the best offensive line that I've seen in a decade, maybe a century. And I, I know that's a lot to put on one thing, but they can do so much. Then we turn over to the recruiting aspect and we go and look. They signed the top two offensive tackles, the top offensive guard, the top center in this class. Lincoln Riley, we just got done talking about him, but that's where the game's won and lost right now, right? 100%. And, and it's sort of happening across the country. I mean, I, I come from a Pac-12 background. I host a Pac-12 football show, right? <laughs> right. What has the, been the big difference in the Pac-12 this year for some of the teams, namely UCLA, Utah, a team that had to replace six of its uh, of its defensive players, both linebackers and in the secondary with freshmen. What's but they still been dominating the run uh, the run defensive game. What's been the difference? Well, they're up on the lines, right? And they're protecting the quarterbacks because they're recruiting offensive linemen, they're recruiting defensive linemen. And at the end of the day, we're seeing a shift in mentality and recruiting mentality because you're right. Look at the cha national champions, right, over the last few years. Clemson, okay, you can give, excuse Clemson because that Clemson offense was really, really good. <laughs> right. And their secondary their secondary was phenomenal, right? And they had four but, defensive linemen that got drafted in the top two rounds, by the way. But keep going. Exactly. Well, and that's my point, right? And then look at every other national champion around them in the college football playoff area. They all have had a really solid offensive line and some of the best defensive linemen in the country. And that's just how it is. And, and at the end of the day, if you're not going to protect your quarterback, if you're not going to pressure the opposing team's quarterback, if you're not going to stop the run, because look, 
I mean, the air raid is the you know, it's applicable in some situations, but it what's what's happening at Mississippi State? Are they winning football games? No. Okay, a little bit, but not enough to go and be competitive. What's right. happening at Washington State? Are they winning football games? Heck no. At UCLA? A little bit. At, at USC? Okay, but USC also some of the best defensive individuals in the nation, so they were able to compensate. Most teams that are winning football games, they have, they're strong up on the lines, and they put the talent together to go in football games. And Alabama is patient zero. They've always been patient zero of solid recruiting up on the lines um, and, and just being overall just behemoths behemoths and that it's the sec man this is big boy football this is big boy football you have to learn to stop through you have to sack a guy and it, and at the end of the day like if you can't push through a 360 pound offensive lineman you're not gonna have a job in this conference and so mm-hmm. you have to recruit applicably and alabama knows how to do it better than anybody i agree and that's that's right on point rifkin one more question we'll get you out of here but i greatly appreciate you joining the show you are you know about the rafino's rants you know how we get going so i'm going to give you the platform Look, I, I again, I teed off on the committee, uh, what was it, Tuesday night, in reference to not just USC, but other things and what they did. I teed off that they only dropped Florida one spot. I don't care, Rifkin, that Georgia got beat by Florida because JT Daniels didn't play in that game. And I don't know if there's a team in the country, and I'm being serious when I say this, I don't know if there's a team in the country with JT Daniels at quarterback right now that wants to see the University of Georgia. I, it's amazing that, you know... And I don't know why this has just been the case, but when Joe Burrow came to LSU, it was, hey, nobody wants to play LSU right now. When JT Daniels comes to Georgia, nobody wants to play Georgia. I'm going to give you the platform here, man, on AYS. How bad did you think of the committee after they did that to USC and to Florida last week? Oh, it's stupid. It is absolutely stupid. And actually, I just finished up. You guys can go and listen to it. Uh, it, it just got uploaded, my Believe in the Pac-12 podcast with Ryan Leaf. Yeah, we talk Pac-12 football, but we also talk about the college football playoff and we talk about the national college football landscape. Ryan, on Tuesday nights, he hosts on ESPNU, the reveal show on Sirius XM. He hosts it with Jason Horowitz. Every Tuesday, they have Reese Davis on. Reese Davis joins them as their guest to, as the committee announces their selections each and every week, he, Reese Davis is on that show discussing it. And Ryan told me today on our podcast that he and Jason and Reese Davis were speechless. Reese Davis is a play-by-play guy. Us play-by-play guys, we don't go speechless. We always have something to say. So when we're left speechless, you know somebody effed up. And look, at the end of the day, to be completely honest with all of you, it's a fraud. Like, it's seven people in a room, and they're a bunch of frauds because they say that this and that and the other matter. They say that Ohio State playing six only six games matters. But yet USC also plays six games, and they're gonna but and they're not gonna penalize Ohio State, but they're gonna penalize USC, right? Oh, and on top of that, you go look at Florida losing to LSU. No offense, to all you LSU fans, great win for you. But Florida drops one spot. Cincinnati doesn't play, and they drop to eleventh. Why does that happen? I don't get it, right? And then they look at you know, Coastal Carolina only moves up one spot. Why does Coastal Carolina move up one spot? Because welcome to the big dance. Why? The, the group of five, by the way, is going to have their own playoff in the next few years. I There's completely no agree reason. with that. There is no reason. It's it's so stupid that they even tease Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina earlier with BYU There's, and Marshall when they were on. There's no reason. Why even put them in a top 25? Why give them this false hope? Because in 2017, UCF was a top eight program and still didn't get in, and they all claimed national championship because they were undefeated. <laughs> it's a bunch of BS, and it doesn't make any sense. So, look, this is... And by the way, everybody that says bring back the BCS and the and the analytics and computers also <laughs> screw that. That but we're, you weren't happy that nobody is going to be happy except for 
you know, four, maybe five programs consistently every year. And that's just how it is. USC, they say, oh, USC doesn't have a top 25 win. Well, if you appropriately hey, neither does Florida. some of these Pac-12, right. But if you appropriately rank some of these teams that are on these schedules, because guess who, who evaluates the top 25 teams? It's you. So, well, I, I had, um, we had, uh, what's that's a name? good point I that, that I just put that together. That's a really good point. I didn't think about it like that. So it, it's incredibly hypocritical. This past Monday, um, we had Jason Fitz as my guest on my on my show with Ryan Leaf. Awesome, awesome guy. Obviously, you know, from all the ESPN stuff. Yep. And he made the point, you know, that he made. We, he and I discussed that point. I asked him, would you be surprised if the committee put Oregon at 25 this week? Because if Oregon's at 25 and USC beats them in the Pac-12 championship, well, then there's that, that top 25 win. And he said that they should. You'd think in theory that they should. But the problem is, is that, the committee is so set on these four teams that they've already been selecting that they've been hanging their hat on. Why would they want to give a quote excuse to another program to get in? Because then it makes them look bad. So at the mm. end of the day, it's it's this egotistical labyrinth. And we all as media and as fans get absolutely lost in it. By the way, Iowa State, Iowa State has two losses. They're sitting at six. USC would kick the doors in at Iowa State if they played each other in a head-to-head, right? I agree. I It, it just doesn't make sense in terms of how they evaluate. But what does make sense is that we knew that this was going to happen. We knew that the committee was was going to sit on their bias and that they weren't going to bite their tongues and they were going to tell us exactly, well, not tell us exactly. We were, be, we were able to decipher exactly what they were feeling and what they were thinking when it, came, when it was all said and done. And it is Ohio State, Alabama, uh, either Clemson, um, or maybe... You know, maybe AM's done. They told us AM's ceiling is five. AM's ceiling is five. It sucks they're not going to get to that CC championship. And this is why maybe, maybe in the future, we see a, a, a little bit of a conversation moving in the direction of is there really a reason to have an East and a West or a North and the South in the Pac 12? Because it should realistically be the two best teams in the conference. And yeah, you don't want Alabama and AM to rematch. But guess what? AM's the second best team right now in the SEC. And if they had an opportunity to play Alabama again, they would play. They they got blown out the first time, but they probably play better. Colorado, Colorado's the second best team in the Pac-12. I know they lost to Utah last week. They should be their top twenty-five team in the nation. They should go be playing USC in the Pac-12 championship. But guess what? There's no fluidity nationally, and it completely penalizes the the programs outside the top four, maybe top five, very consistently. That's what I was about to ask, and I was going to say I lied because I did. But if this would have happened in LSU like it did last year, they kept LSU at two after beating t- four top ten teams. And there was a big outcry, like, how do you put LSU at two? Like, we people were just freaking out about that. Is there an outrage in California from USC fans because, like there would be in the Southeast? Because I don't, I'm not there, so I don't know. But I don't see the Twitter action that I normally would see. And again, it's a very uh, Southeast bias. But is there an outrage in calling these the committee as we would call them here, Rudy Poo? <laughs> Well, you guys are much louder than USC fans are. USC fans are fair weather fans. They're the, they're the fans that leave in the fourth quarter or at halftime, depending on how right. the game goes. They don't typically stay throughout the game with the Coliseum. Um, I think that the outcry is more from media members. I don't think – like, the fans are upset, um, and, and it, it is unfortunate, right? USC has the best wide-receiving tandem in the nation by far. I mean, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Barnes are incredible, incredible players. The problem is, though, is if you go and you actually look at the tail of the tape, USC should be 3-3. Three and three. They need the fourth quarter to come back against Arizona State. They were down by 17 in the season opener to Arizona State. They're down by 12 to Arizona, a team that went 0-5 and fired Kevin Sumlin last week after losing 71-7 to to Arizona. 
And they need the fourth quarter when they were down by 17 to UCLA last week to come back and win. So realistically, USC was, you know, 15 minutes away in three of these games from being 0 and 6, or excuse me, to being 3 and 3, then being 6 and 0. So, you know, I don't know if there's as much of an outcry, but the problem is, and I make this case, it should not be and I'll be all college football playoff. Because very typically, and as we've seen over the last every single year, actually, for that fourth seed, they probably get blown out by the one seed. And I don't want USC to be the fourth seed and then to play Alabama, lose by 50, (laughs) and further the Pac-12 narrative that they did not belong in the college football playoff. I'd rather them be a 6-0 Pac-12 champion. They end up as a top 10 team, and then we can reevaluate. By the way, all these teams in the Pac-12 are probably going to decline their bowl bids. We already have three teams declining bowl bids. It's, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see that as a national thing because everybody just wants this thing to end. But um, it makes LSU not think. look as bad for that bowl ban. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, you guys, you guys gave yourself an excuse on that one because I think a bowl ban shows more accountability than just saying, "Ah, we decide we don't want to play." Um, yeah. But look, I mean, you know, I think that the the angst comes from just how the process goes, not necessarily that USC happens to be the undefeated team. But again, it's hypocritical to say, oh, we don't care about Ohio State playing six games, but we care about USC playing six games because it's not an even playing field. Then you're not evaluating based on the same criteria. What you're doing is you're evaluating based on brand and likeness, which is fine. But then but then what you're saying is we don't we really don't care about the other 24. 21 ranked teams in the nation we really only care about the top four maybe top five teams and it just it's no fun for anybody else yes indeed jonathan it has been absolutely phenomenal you're always great as always man tell everybody where they can catch all of y'all stuff and everything that you are doing with not just jj media but everything man you every time i i I pop on twitter i'm like (laughs) dang i gotta go listen i listen every day as much as i can uh but jonathan tell them everywhere everywhere you they can find your stuff yeah, I appreciate that. But it's always great to be back with the AYS crew. I see the comments. Uh, Buck, I know Bucknut, uh, he's been calling me out here because he says that Oregon, quote, backed out. That game. Well, <laughs> coronavirus backed out. And by the way, by the way, Bucknut, the Pac-12 allowed for non-conference games. The Big Ten, no. So don't you can't even get, get out of here with that. Get out of here with that. Uh <laughs> True. Anyways, no, Ohio State would slash. Hey, this is the same guy I got in an argument with or a bet with, and I got to wear this. So, you know what? Look, my man, he calls his shots, and <laughs> I'm gonna I'm not betting this man anymore. I'll tell you that, but it's all good, brother. Fair enough. But, but listen, so at the end of the day, um, yeah, we all we have fun. I host the Believe in Pac 12 podcast with Ryan Leaf. He's he's freaking awesome. Um, I have some other stuff working out. Uh, we're gonna be, I'm gonna be striking up the deal with Amazon uh, and Roku. We're gonna get my recruiting show up. And running, they're launching a brand nice. new 24-hour sports network. That's going to be awesome. That will be uh, tentatively January 10th, depending on the terms of the contract. And then um, I will be also on uh, SiriusXM starting in February. I will be doing a, a weekly, po- a two-week, a bi-weekly podcast with them. And then I will be on ESPNU as a rotating analyst as well, doing a bunch of different stuff on Channel 84 uh, SiriusXM ESPNU. So I'm all over the place. Hit me uh, <laughs> with a follow on Twitter at. Jonathan Rifkin. Uh, my Instagram's kind of boring, so I mean, you can. It's Jade Rifkin, but you're not going to find anything of value there. <laughs> um, and yeah, Blake, I, I appreciate it. Man. It's always it's refreshing. It's refreshing to have the AYS energy slapping me in the face here in San Diego. Hey, well, if you ever want an ESPN or uh, Rafino's rants on ESPNU or anything like that, just let me know. We'll, we'll, I, I just, I'll get, I'll get fired up and we'll, we'll, we'll get it rolling. I, you know, it's, you, you know, I would, it's not up to me. I, I don't know if the, you got to get something good enough for those. Produ- I mean, look, you are good enough for those producers, but uh, it's whether or not that they're okay with all of the fallacies that you like to throw in there every now and Oh again. no, I go on national radio every like four times a week. No, oh, I wouldn't yeah. do it. I, I, oh, this I still, is, I this is my, 
my uh, this is my domain where I get the Rudy, I get to let the Rudy Poos fly as they may. <laughs> I love it, man. Keep, keep up the good work, and I, I catch your stuff on Believe all the time when 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 they post the clips and whenever you're, I, I throw in a comment here or there on Periscope when I see you pop up on Twitter. Absolutely, man. Thanks, Jonathan. We'll talk soon, my man. Have a good night. Hey, and have a good Christmas and happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. Happy Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a he happy, healthy New Year. You too, man. All right, that is Jonathan Rifkin from Just Recruiting. Guys, we are going to call it a night. We will see you back for the LSU postgame show Saturday. Hopefully, the Tigers will come out victorious. Y'all have a good night. See you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.